Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Trish McGregor and Rob McGregor and our tech magician producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground. Trisha's latest novel is White Crows, and Rob's latest novel is Tulpas, available in audio as well as print and ebook. Our guest today needs no introduction for anyone with even a casual interest in UFOs and alien contact. Whitley Strieber's life changed forever when he published Communion in 1987, describing his encounters with the visitors, as he calls them. Not only that book and its astonishing story, but also the illustration of the face of a being on the cover has impacted millions of people around the world, and many since have come forward with their own stories of contact. Some of these stories are now featured in Whitley's new book called Them, which was just released about a week ago. Welcome, Whitley. Hi, glad okay. to be here. In yeah. your newest book, Whitley, you take some of the strangest letters you and Anne received after the publication of Communion and analyze them. What prompted you to do this particular book? I think it's the best thing you've written. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, first, uh, they're not the strangest letters by any means. They are simply ordinary letters. Uh, there's lots of letters that are probably much stranger than these, uh, but they are illustrative, and that's why I chose them. Uh, each one illustrates a different aspect of the phenomenon of encounter, and it's extremely important to understand that it's not simply abduction after abduction after abduction, which is what we have been taught. We've been taught that there's nothing new here, nothing to see here. Go on, move down the road to something else. There's a lot to see here. And the letters are uh, are illustrative of that. There are there are all kinds of different uh, things happening in these letters. And uh, they have, well, for example, there's a, there's a, wonderful exploration of an attempt to communicate to people that would where they would not forget it and then another example is a it's not an abduction at all but an attempt to apparently steal somebody's soul or perhaps mm. cast their soul out of their body and take the body it's all kinds of stuff it's a real it it makes it very clear that this is the most complex of all human experiences. There's nothing close. One of the strangest ones I found <clears throat> was the aliens in the tree uh, outside of the house. Uh, yeah. What do you what do you say about that one? I mean, that's so well, strange. That, that is the one about an attempt to communicate. And you know, I we got these letters nearly thirty years ago, and it's taken me all of this time 
I had to grow up to these letters. In a sense, I had to uh, get to the point where I could understand what was going on in these letters. And in that one, there is a very careful effort to take the the individual through the the process of encounter without causing them to drop the thread. It shows a deep understanding of the way the human brain works. Because what happens to our brains when we are engaging with something that has no precedent is that it will we will do one of two things. We will either identify it in the context of something we already know, or we will just it'll just disappear. The memory will disappear after a very short time. And this was an effort to take this woman who had these experiences along with her entire family, step by step, deeper and deeper into higher and higher levels of strangeness so that she would not forget. Hmm. It's a remarkable journey. And the, it in, did involve, among other many other bizarre things, uh, what I surmise were little gray people uh, hanging out in the trees behind their house <laughs> in the middle of the day with all the children and the father yelling up to him, come down, come down. <laughs> it's just a remarkable story. And there's, it's full of stories like that. Yeah. And so, but uh, so you're saying that they were attempting to create a situation where they would remember, but isn't it the case where oftentimes they blank out uh, memories? So the people who are abducted, oh, yeah don't remember their experience they can they can they can blank out memories they can also insert memories mm -hmm. that did not happen yeah uh, they can they are masters of memory but what's interesting here is that this is not an attempt to alter the person's memory but to enable the person to to hack, access their natural memory it's a remarkable uh -huh. thing and uh I think that most of the time when we have close encounter experiences, our memories are very flawed. I don't think that I, I would guess that there are very few completely accurate descriptions of close encounter out there. And we don't honestly know which ones are which. Hmm. Since these letters came 30 years ago, did you make any effort or was it possible to make any effort to contact these people and to follow up to see what their experiences? I, I tried in every case to follow up and I was only successful in two cases. Huh. Huh. That, that's noted in the book. Okay. Yeah. Because some of the people have, uh, five of the people had passed away and the others simply I can't find. I, I certainly made mm. an effort to do so. Yeah. Um, after okay, after all these decades, Willie, of experiencing and researching visitors, what what do you really think they are? Are are they aliens, humans from the future, other dimensional beings, something else? Uh, I wish I could answer that question yeah. in a straightforward way, but I think you knew from the beginning yeah. that I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I think this is not known. I, I do not think we understand what they are. And this is because we don't understand their relationship to us. Uh -huh. uh, we can say a raccoon is a raccoon and he lives in the woods because we understand his relationship to us. Uh, but we can't say we understand the relationship of this to us. 
Hmm. I think it is probably the deepest relationship that we have of, of any kind. Um, I wouldn't be, as I say in the book, I wouldn't be in the least surprised if beings from other worlds are, are not involved. But I also think there's a possibility that at least some of them are us. Uh -huh. And I think that we need to take it, the idea of possibly it being uh, a um, uh, something to do with time very seriously, because movement through time is a possibility. And we also need to think in terms of what I described in my book, A New World, as the mirror universe, mm -hmm. as a possible origin of at least some of them, because it's a that is a real place, and it is here. I, I have been in it, and I've even transferred into it physically twice, two times, and it is real. It's as real as this place. It's operating on a different timeline, but it is very real. Huh. So that could be an origin as well. Uh, and, you know, this, this flippant word, interdimensionals, I have no idea what that means, and I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> the only term I could come up with. Yeah. Um, do you think they help facilitate your communication with Anne? I don't know if they help facilitate it. I, I think, I don't know if you knew Anne well enough to know that she would have considered that a, <laughs> I mean, she she's not the type. No one needs to facilitate anything for Anne. Yeah, that's kind she, of what I do her stuff her own way. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that Anne is um, still very much present in my life. And mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it just today, uh, I fell asleep during a meeting, which happens fairly often. <laughs> I've just had a big surgery a few months ago, and I'm I'm still recuperating and my schedule is as densely packed as ever. And, um, uh, you know, I, I spend my life with people saying, you know, uh, I'm very tired. I just had this big surgery. Okay, well, let's get started. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, so, and she will wake me up by in causing a, an intense vibration on the lower parts of my legs huh. or someone will, I presume it's her. I don't know if any, why anyone else would be so interested in my life. Is <laughs> that. Also, there are certain things that have happened uh, that suggested it is her. So um, I have a, um, I have a, uh, Anyway, so this I fell asleep in this meeting, and this buzzing immediately started very powerfully, and I woke right up, of course. It's happened. How many times has it happened since Annie passed away? Oh, hundreds. It's a routine experience in my wow. days. And every once in a while, not often, but just enough to make me really long for it more, the weight, this presence will come down onto my legs while I'm sleeping. and. Uh, uh, and it, it can become quite solid and quite heavy, but if I even think about reaching for it, it's gone immediately. Huh. Uh, and so I, I, I got it one night. It was been on my lower legs and I said, come up, come up, come up farther, closer. <laughs> it got closer and closer 
until it was just if I moved, if I leaned forward and tried to touch it, it it would I couldn't I couldn't quite go that far. Hmm. And for whatever reason, uh, no, I'm sorry. For whatever reason, uh, it does not want to be engaged with physically. Hmm. And it's not alone in that respect. Nothing I'm involved in wants to be touched. They don't want to be touched, any of them. And I think it's probably because if you do touch them, you might fix them in this timeline, trap them here. And this is not where they need to be. It, it would be like, um, like it would probably be something like what would happen to uh, a swimmer who suddenly couldn't get out of the pool. You know, not, not mm. a good thing. They, they they would they do not want to be swept up in the river of time where, while they're in the state that they are in, and yeah. I include all of the visitors in that as well as our own dead. Hmm. Whitley, in your experiences, in your contact, your encounters, have they ever involved uh, going on alien crafts, seeing alien crafts? Yeah, I've seen them and been on them both. Okay. Uh, um, the most recent one I saw was after the McMinnville UFO mm. conference in, uh, gosh, it's been nearly a year, September of last year, I guess. And I um, was um, in my hotel room, and I was going to leave early in the next morning, and this UFO that I had seen before, Ann and I saw it in Gulf <clears> Breeze, <throat> beautiful, Couldn't I mean, not, not necessarily the same one, but uh, a perfectly beautiful ruby red glowing object that showed up on the hotel was on the outskirts of town and there were there were little farmhouses and a few sort of track houses just below my window and then fields and it circled above those fields just beautifully mm. round and round and it was lovely and uh, then it disappeared and the minute it disappeared, I thought, get your phone, you fool. And I missed it. Uh, as to being in one, I, I've been in one once, I think, that I remember. But I say I think because it's a very, very hazy memory. And then another time, maybe also. But uh, uh, I, the one I remember most vividly in, was, I think, probably happened because I could see out of a window and it looked like the world the we were above the woods in my my old cabin and it looked like the woods them were waving around moving around and we were just rock solid and it was because the thing had its own gravity if you're mm -hmm. in a movie theater and you're watching a war movie with fighters in it and and there's a pilot's eye view in the movie, it all, it always looks like the pilot is totally uh -huh. steady in his cockpit and the world is moving around because you're fixed on the ground. Well, I was in this thing and it was the opposite effect. Hmm. I was fixed in the thing and it made the world look like it was moving around, like in a movie. Jeez. And I don't think I would have come up with dream that up. I don't think he could dream that up. So it's, it probably happened. Huh. Yeah. So... You've defined the history of UFOs in uh, three parts, 
flyovers that began, I guess, in the late uh, 40s, early 50s, then abductions uh, with extractions <clears throat> of fluids, and then the current one, which uh, is flyovers again. Uh, are you implying that there are no more abduction cases now? No, no one's being abducted? Well, I can only say that I don't see many reports. Not like we did at all. I mean, there used to be, there was a long period of very intimate encounters and uh, of all sorts. And uh, uh, there were no, I haven't had a, a real old fashioned abduction report in two or three years. And, uh, and, and there, there's a very, very few on the ground. And I think that it's logical that that would be the case because there's only so much sexual material right. you need to take. And that's what they were definitely doing is taking sexual material from people. And they would say they were certainly doing that. And I think that must have been the central reason for it. And they, whatever they were doing, they've, they must have finished because they must have taken it from many, many, many more people than necessary to, for example, create a, a DNA picture or a sort of seed, a human seed bank. They took huh. a lot of sexual material from men and from women. You think they've left? Uh, no, they haven't left, but their relationship with us is changing. And that this second round of flyovers is very different in that people can now call the visitors very easily. Uh -huh. uh, uh, there's uh, John Martin in Georgia does it. Uh, uh, Melinda Leslie in Sedona does it. There's a fellow... Uh, in Texas, who does it as well? And how do they, how do, they do it? They just do it mentally. They just yeah. ask for him to show up. It's like what Jamie Cromwell told us, Rob. Yeah, but he said they flash lights in the sky too, in the desert. Oh, but they do all... that. They flash lights, and then John, uh, in in um, John Martin's case, they they fly side by side together. It's obviously, and they they have different colors and. It's very clear that they are not um, satellites or planes. Drones. They make that very, very clear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, sometimes they will pulsate. The light will pulsate. Uh, there's all kinds of things that they do that that make it clear what they are. Uh, so, and that's quite a quite a change from the other flyovers, which were. Uh, which were um, uh, arbitrary. In other words, no one could uh, no one could could control them. But now, if you get yourself a camera, mm -hmm. especially a light sensitive camera like a low light camera, and you go outside and you ask for them to come, if you're persistent there, you're likely to show up. And th that, as I say, is a whole different thing. The fellow in Texas who does it, he does it most nights, actually, is mm -hmm. named Ryan Keaton, K-E-A-N, K-E-A-T-O-N, Ryan Keaton. And his uh, Facebook page is wide open. You can just go on his Facebook page li and live stream oh. him anytime he's doing it. Hmm. And uh, the last time I live streamed them, what I saw was a big thunderstorm and this very steady light moving in front of the thunderstorm with no, no 
uh, flashes or anything. It was not a plane. It was could not have been a drone because it was much too bright and far away. And it just clearly is a as it could be. And it's certainly not a satellite because of the thunderstorm had yeah. blocked out the rest of the sky. So you had this beautiful light flying in front of this magnificent blasting, flashing thunderstorm. And, mm. you know, the, in 1953, if that happened, it would have been a big sensation. Right. But the difference is now we're we're gotten used to it. You know, we're like a little horse being tamed, a little <laughs> colt. I, when I was a boy, I used to go down on the ranches in South Texas and they would be um, breaking in the horses. And, you know, this business of the old West stories where they jump on the horse and he bucks wildly until right. he's broken. And that was not how it was done because the, the, <laughs> a horse that's traumatized like that doesn't forget that. It's not going to be as good a horse as a horse that's properly settled into being ridden. And so they were, it was a very gentle process and you didn't see them bucking off too much. They got nervous really at first, but uh, you don't want to. So that's kind of what we're is happening to us. You know, we're being broken in. Yeah. Well, we're getting, and, we're and, getting used and, to them. And, and I, 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 I need to ask the question. I, I think this is, relevant to this to what what you guys were just talking about uh whitley what do you think about uh the government starting to refer to these right. unidentified uh uh sightings as uaps rather than ufos and is mm -hmm. uap a way to to reference things that we've created versus Versus oh, a a a, a, a non-terrestrial, you know, well, uh, the UAP is unidentified aerial phenomena, and that that is being used because of the fact that it's more than solid objects. There's other things going on as well. There's things that look like solid objects and aren't. There are solid objects that don't look like solid objects, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, there. The United States and Russia and China and Great Britain have made some progress in in uh, the types of in, in uh, electrostatic lift and and things like that. But so far, I don't believe anybody has really mastered gravity as a as a means of con controlling gravity as a means of propulsion. This hmm. is a very profound thing because. If you can generate your own gravity inside that gravity well is 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 another universe and, and, that you have created. It's a much, much bigger and more complex uh, issue than we so far have uh, been able to uh, to to do. We have do have some electrostatic lift that's pretty dramatic, I understand well, and and well, in some of these UAPs, um, depending on who you talk to, Maybe holograms, you know, just there. It's not. It is well, exactly. You know. They may be. They may be. They may be holograms. They may be uh, projections of something, and and the way some of them move so rapidly and flawlessly through the sky, seemingly completely unrelated to any aerodynamic process, suggests they may be projections of something that is is just. This is. We're looking like looking at the point of a pencil, 
You, mm -hmm. you see what I mean? And not at an, ob at, right. an object. So I think unidentified aerial phenomena is probably a more accurate description of what what's what we actually have there. Yeah, it's some of better, the yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Some of their movements, uh, I mean, if, the, if it was a human in the craft, uh, would they would not survive. Uh, no, no, I don't agree with you. <laughs> no? Because I've been in one, and I survived fine. It was moving all <laughs> over the place. You didn't even know it was moving. It was like being in a room. Like huh. making 90-degree turns, though? and uh, Yeah. Hmm. Listen, I went, I went halfway across the United States in about 30 seconds, 40 <laughs> seconds, maybe. Oh. Hmm. Uh, and uh, from from... Upstate New York to Boulder, Colorado. Hmm. So inside, you don't feel that. You don't at all because it's uh, it's its own gravity. That's what right. I, some of these okay. characters. I tell them, you know, you don't understand. You're making assumptions already that aren't necessarily right. Mm -hmm. If you have your own source of gravity, you're in your own world, yeah. and it is not related to gravity and outside of it. And it, and so uh, you can be. You can be that you can make a make a make a 90 degree or 180 degree turn and it's like sitting in a living room huh. but but that but that's the technology but there but there again I think that maybe is the reason for the distinction between the two because uh yeah. if, if UAP is if UAPs is to terrestrial uh technology uh we we haven't mastered uh that kind of technology to no, be we to haven't survive. because it's yeah, it's yeah. it's not technology for one thing, not as we understand it. And uh, and the problem is, we know that much, but we what we don't know is what that means. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah what is it then? Well, uh, when you there, uh, let's see, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, just did a book called UFO Sky Pilots. I interviewed him a few weeks ago. Uh, and um, uh, he had talked to a couple dozen people who have had experiences of flying these things. Mm. And I had a brief experience of this myself. And it is not like flying an airplane. You mm. put your hands on these little hand indentations and they have little holes in them. And your soul. I mean, you you swoop out into the thing and you become the thing. And oh, wow. it is just mm. wonderful fun. Boy, I'm <laughs> telling you, it's something you never want to end. But I only <sighs> have a second's memory of it, just two seconds memory of it. But when I read uh, UFO Sky Pilots, I realized that it had actually happened because these all these other people were describing exactly the same sensation. Huh. But since we live in a society that doesn't even believe the soul exists, <laughs> and we think of it as some technology, they um, uh, we're we're not getting very far down that road yet. There's another thing about it that I have observed, which is that there is a rotational effect, and this is we. I would presume we are working on uh, where there are <clears throat> rotating magnets, but the rotation speed is really high. It's yeah. not like 10,000 or 100,000. It's like a million RPM or it's so, so high that you're talking about a percentage of the speed of light of rotation, that speed, that high speed. 
And where do you get the energy to cause something to rotate that fast? And uh, uh, you don't know how they do that, how mm -hmm. they gain, the, how they get the energy. This is why Hal Putoff and um, Eric Davis and others have worked for years on zero point energy, trying to extract energy from the vacuum, because that's the only place energy of this intensity could exist and be accessible on a small scale. Oh. And um, they haven't broken that down that door yet either. Right. And, and, and that is, and, 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 and yeah, just to close the loop on this, because yes, I think that is, that's our biggest problem right now is we have not miniaturized the power plants we need to do to 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 well uh, whether it's, it's we're more than technology or not but we just simply don't have the the uh we powers. don't not at all hmm. not at all uh well, whitley since you mentioned the soul a minute or so ago uh could you talk a little bit about the concept of me within thee that you write about yeah that's yeah. really cool by the way ufo sky pilots was uh I'm beginning to remember the name of the author and, and he's a good friend and I'm just, I'm terrible on names. And you know, if you start out bad on names, uh, <laughs> you're going to have a very disappointing life because I started out bad on names and I, yeah. now I have to really think about it, but Grant Cameron's name has oh, popped right. in my head. Uh, finally, the filing yeah. system is slowly turning over. Right. So uh, you, 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 what was it again? Uh, was no. he writing from his own experience? Grant, no, no, he's no. He, he interviewed a lot of people. Okay, yeah, yeah uh, just a, a note about remembering remembering names. Uh, I can see the face, but I can't put the name to it sometimes. Oh yeah, that's easy to. That's yeah. an easy problem for me too. I have that. Right, yeah. Time. So what I was talking about was you write about the me within thee uh, mm -hmm. in a couple of these stories. That's I found really fascinating. The whole there, there's a symbiosis of some sort involved in this. Yeah. Uh, they there is there are lots of people who have had experiences where they have um they have felt like they've got somebody else inside them and, uh, -huh. uh and there's one of the letters this guy says poor guy is trying to have fell in love with this girl and um made love to her and then after that she wasn't so interested in being with him anymore. <laughs> and she he invited him down to her apartment to, and he figured, well, he's just gonna tell me goodbye. And that was quite true, but it was a very unusual goodbye in that she sat him down. She said, I want to show you something. And she slowly turned into a gray alien oh, and then back into her, what he had thought of as herself again and said, you will never see me again. And the next morning wow. the apartment was empty. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty you know, scary. me within me what the hell it means um <laughs> i'm waiting for you rob let's show your true self right now you too trish let's uh -oh. let's all three turn into <laughs> to uh to graze and change the world okay i'm and ready you, and are you, you ready yeah, i'm ready turn into graze right here on zoom yeah and don't <laughs> don't don't you know someone who had such? Uh, I think that goes all the way back to the cabin that had yeah, an experience just, where he he appeared like a gray. Yeah, he did. He was in a he was a massage therapist and a very, a very intensely, sort of, 
when he was let me get, get an idea when he was at the cabin he would do drumming and he was a very good shamanic drummer and when he did the drumming one night these sparks started flying across at about a level of about seven or eight feet leaving smoke trails in the air huh. and it was just evening so you could still see each other it wasn't full night and everyone was saying, oh, look at the meteors. And I'm saying, what are you, crazy? Those aren't <laughs> meteors. I mean, those are. this is something very weird. Having this. Peter, Peter's doing this. Peter, just keep drumming, keep drumming. And more and more of them came. So he had a real unusual energy. So anyway, he, this is not, at one point in his life, he, he was a very high-level massage therapist. And he had patients who were, he worked in with doctors and because his patients, some of his patients were very frail and in a lot of pain and he's doing a massage and he's, there's a big mirror in the room and he's like looking, he's doing the massage and he glances up and he says to his horror, it's not him anymore. He's a gray. And he immediately <laughs> thinks this elderly, very frail woman is going to die if she opens her eyes and sees this, that she's being massaged by what she will think of as a monster. And, and, you know, I still, still felt like himself and, you know, I'm still Peter and everything, but I, here I am in this other form. And so he tried to just calm down and he kept the massage going and he closed his eyes and he looked up again in a few minutes and it was just him again. And he was just never sure what the hell had happened. What had he turned into a gray or had he hallucinated it or something? He just didn't know. Huh. Hmm. That's strange, yeah. Yeah, that's me within strange. me. <clears throat> yeah, uh, but you also write uh, an extended, uh, an extraordinary analysis. I thought it was uh, extraordinary uh, <laughs> of a man who experienced uh, what seemed like an attempt to steal his soul. Uh, you talk about the idea of souls possibly being captured and traded uh, during missing time events, uh, which is a scary idea. Yeah, well, I think that. I, I'm, I'm not so sure that we're all that that set in our bodies. I have a feeling that the, that it could be that a soul can be unplugged from a body and another one plugged into that same body. Uh. And that we maybe, maybe you like buy a ticket and you're here for a while and then <laughs> your ticket runs out and you have to go and somebody else gets the body. And, um, and maybe like, that was... Yeah, that's like Ruth oh. Montgomery's walk-ins. Yeah, well, I mentioned those in the in the uh, book, but you know, this is all—it's different. And, and then there's no sentimentality to it. You know, the, the walk-ins are—it's always said, "Oh, and the souls go to a wonderful place where they're very happy." Yeah. <laughs> the walk-ins are they—they they do all this spiritual stuff in the world and everything. It just doesn't look like that. It—if yeah. this is happening, the body and the soul collect. collect connect together and the body has no idea it's carrying a new soul if this is even real huh. and who knows if it's real or not well i think you would know though wouldn't you no the body might not the, no but your, the personality your would know remember no remember the personality and the and, and memories are all in the brain the soul is something different it's non-physical i've been out of my body so have i, I well, yeah. Well, can you do you know who you are when you're out of your body? Have you ever asked yourself your name, told yourself your name? You know, mm. you haven't, and nobody has because you don't, you can't. We don't That's know. A good point. Yeah. yeah. But I, I had plenty of memories and I certainly felt like myself. But 
I'm not sure that what I had was correct. Everything in my body and the body I, I contained plenty of it. The brain contains a great deal of this material and it retains it. So it's very possible that another soul could be plugged in and it could also be extremely annoying because, you know, when you're kicked out of a body and some, when you, someone else has got the body and you're out and you can't get back in, well, you know, you may feel very upset. And that would piss me off. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it happens all the time. And maybe the case where the lady was, visited in the middle of the day when she was vacuuming the room right and and told she you know you've got to go with us you've got to go with us she didn't want to go but she did go maybe one of there was a soul exchange involved yeah. i mean i'm just giffing here this is you understand i'm i'm i, I these this is all totally theoretical the next thing you know those show will go on and then whitley streber says <laughs> you know it's so boring i am <laughs> I couch my whole life in the terms of in terms of questions. And the next thing you know, Whitley Strieber claims <laughs> stupid. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But, but yeah, that uh what I like about the, your approach is that you don't really claim anything. You just have a lot of suspicions. You report. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I have a lot of suspicions for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh but this particular case though that I uh mentioned about the the man having his attempt to steal a soul what's fascinating about that case is his wife was involved too so it's not just yeah. his ordinary his experience which you could say well that was something that was uh, a hallucination well then his right. wife was hallucinating too mm. and he actually told her to lay on top of him as if that mm. would keep from his soul from being uh taken and it well, seemed it to work it, it worked yeah because her i think the 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 combination of the two physical presences overpowered whatever was trying to pull uh -huh. him out. Hmm. Yeah. And they and they both heard this rumbling or this pounding. Yeah, sound, they like heard the, the sound of the thing, the pound, the throbbing of the thing above the house for sure. Yeah. Okay, Rob, if I ever tell you get on top of me, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason. <laughs> oh, so so Trish and I had an experience like that ourselves where it was but it, we were we were sleeping in a uh an apartment just outside of a cemetery which was very close <laughs> to our front door and uh we This was we, in the Dominican Republic. The Dominican Republic. Yeah, this hotel was uh in the center instead of a courtyard was a was a cemetery. And uh I had gone in there and picked up a rock and I you know kind of wandered around and there was an old man who was digging a, a uh, yeah, he was a grave digger and we talked to him for a bit and he wanted to show us uh, some one of the uh, coffins that he had found underneath another coffin. But we we kind of we we left at that point. But anyhow, well, Rob but, wanted to see there was a windsurfer. That's what we were there for. And uh -huh. the windsurfer who died was only had only been 24 years old. So Rob actually took the rock and carried it back to our hotel room. Right. Big mistake. Yeah. And and <laughs> and we thought these were all old uh 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 graves but that one was only five months old and and actually his grave marker was uh half of his uh windsurfer which is kind of interesting and anyhow uh so we went to bed this night uh i think it was about 11 o'clock or so we turned off the lights and we both fell asleep and 
suddenly we we heard this i heard i heard this pounding sound against the uh side of the building we're the only ones in this building uh, except for uh, megan she was yeah, asleep in the back. right yeah and it was like uh what would you call boom, that uh, boom boom it was yeah a, a series of nine yeah, three, three, three. And after the ninth one, we both sat up simultaneously and looked at each other. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Uh, you know, so that but was it wasn't a, fearful. It was no. it was kind of joyous. It, yeah, it was. That was the strange thing. There was nothing fearful about it. But then uh a television suddenly came on too, which <laughs> we had nothing to do with. <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds like somebody wanted to get back in here. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Hanging out yeah. and yeah. Anyway, then, we returned that rock to the to the graveyard. Yeah. yeah and they took that. And uh then we talked to the management. They said, Oh, all the spirits are friendly here. <laughs> and that was uh -huh. pretty much our that was pretty much our experience. But, but so that was the situation where two of us, you know, ex uh experienced the same thing at the at the same know, time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's important. And most of the letters you'll notice in the book that I talked talk about or multiple witness accounts and generally and no one was hypnotized that was one thing we found in our our when we got the letters you know the media they were saying all oh, these all people being hypnotized a bunch of people live right. in trailers get hypnotized and go on want to go on television make something out of themselves mm. and we found a that you know there's nothing wrong i don't think there's anything wrong with people who live in trailers in the first place <laughs> and but but these were highly articulate, capable people, highly intelligent, most of them. No one, I mean, we have probably got 10 letters in the whole thousands that we got mentioning hypnosis in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And abduction reports were rare. Hmm. It was much stranger than that. Yeah. Much stranger. Well, I don't think people used to talk about this stuff if they've been abducted. No, Not exactly. like they do now, yeah. No. Yeah. Did you have any cases of people who were healed uh, during their encounters? Uh, I didn't see much of that. Mm -hmm. I, there are probably cases here and there. The one big case I did know of was uh, a, a a very much disliked shock jock uh, called uh, Morton Downey Jr. And mm -hmm. he was he was very friendly to me when I was on his show and the reason was that he had dreadful teeth. He looked like a sea monster, apparently. Oh what he said. And he must have had really bad teeth to say that about himself. <laughs> he was driving back to Chicago when his, that was his home base one, one night in the prairie South of Chicago. And you go, it's just a very flat open land and you can see the city off in the distance. And suddenly this fog came, and so it was so thick he had to stop. And the next thing he knew, there were these figures around his car. And um, he lost consciousness huh. and woke up and went back to Chicago, went on to Chicago and was at home. We discovered his teeth had been fixed. Huh. Wow. So New implants? <laughs> no, they were perfectly normal human teeth. Huh. And um, so that, that's one case I know of for sure. It's weird. Because, I mean, he was not lying. He, would, he told me this, and he said, I would never, I would never huh. do anything to 
embarrass you or hurt you because that I think was uh, was real and, yeah. and you know, there's something in what you say. Yeah, that is yeah. really something. Yeah, we we know somebody who is a lifelong abductee. Uh, well, who... Preston Denham wrote about her. Oh, I know Preston well. He's yeah. shot my, my show zillions of times. Yeah. That, yeah. Did you have Dolly Saffron on? Yeah, uh, we yeah, had Dolly okay. on with Preston, and <laughs> and Dolly just by herself too. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. We've had her on too. Uh, I was going to mention that uh, of a healing experience, a, a friend of ours in California who's um, been an abductee since she was like uh, two, three years old, over and over again. She uh, she has some kind of uh, illness that uh, has she's she's had for years. Who are you talking uh, about? Uh, Deborah Page. Okay. Yeah. And so, but they, they healed her. She had a bad knee and they healed her knee. Uh, uh, but, but then she asked them, can you take care of my, I, I don't know what it, it is. It was an now. immune deficiency disease. Yeah. And they said, no, that's, that's karmic. Karmic. Yeah. They said not genetic karmic. karmic yeah. yeah. I've heard yeah. that before. Yeah. Well, in, uh, in my case, apparently everything's karmic. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's too bad. They didn't do our knees, Whitley. <laughs> You got your knees done too? <laughs> yeah, about the same time, uh, February third for me. For oh, which which do you have both of them done? No, same? I just just one. Yeah. If you got the other one, still a natural knee. <laughs> yeah, right. And It'll then, go now, out on you now. <laughs> now I now I feel the left one. Now I feel the other one. <laughs> That's exactly right. You'll be doing it. So well, you've I, got. Uh, you've done that, both? Well, I have to tell you this: my left knee, which I got done in 2019, mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know it's there anymore. It's wonderful. Oh, wow. uh, the right knee is still barking a good bit. Is yours? I guess it is. Yeah, it's not, not too bad. I've I was lucky. I healed pretty pretty quickly on it. Uh, Me I too. Mean, yeah, and you can still feel it though. It's I, not... I still feel it. It's clunky. You know, is yeah. the way I describe clunky. it. Clunky. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing but, PT? I did that already. Uh, uh, I did first. They came to the house for a few times, and then I did an outpatient PT for several times. And uh, yeah, know. I had a bunch of outpatient PT. I was going to do it today, but I got too tired. And I decided not to do it. I'd rather do this. Yeah, well, it's, it's ask really them if they can do knees. Can they do ankles? Can they do all kinds of joints? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. I did. I mean, you think I didn't ask? I did ask. Yeah. Of course, I asked. Yeah. yeah. As I say, I think all my illnesses are karmic because if that's the case, because I never got healed. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, okay. Uh, it was who was it? Was it Preston who told us about the person who was healed of cancer? I can't remember now. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, that's that's happened. And um, there's one letter in the in the book, though, about a woman whose little girl got a very unusual form of cancer. Oh, I remember that. She didn't get healed when yeah. the child died. Hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, if they're capable of doing all these things, you'd think they'd come down here and give us some healing techniques and, you know. Well, what about healing share the, the whole knowledge. planet? I mean, yeah, you know, I know. It's, it's not like we're, we're in fabulous shape at the moment. And, no. uh, and people say, well, won't they come and and uh, save us in the last minute? I, I've got my doubts about that. I don't think I don't hear any hooves rattling anywhere. I don't think cavalry's on the way. 
And then they're the ones that say, oh, that the special people will be yeah, will be taken off planet. And right. A, you won't want to be taken off planet. Uh, B, <laughs> uh, uh, and B, they're, uh, I think that thing is, that's so unbelievably egotistical. I mean, to think that yeah. oh, well, certain people, the special right. people will yeah. be saved. I'm not interested in this. If 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 we end up in a situation where we have to leave the planet in order to live, if everyone can go, fine, I'll go. Exactly. But if everyone can't go, I'm not going. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost a religious type fervor. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, that's that's what upsets me. Very self uh, self involved, egotistical kind of thing. Yeah. So what do you think uh, will will be the results of uh, contact with the human race? Uh, do you have any? Well, it's already happening. We've been in contact for years. We just have, it's not a matter of when contact will happen. It's when we will face contact. Right. That's yeah. that we're already in contact and uh, we just have to face it. Yeah. Are we closer with government disclosure? Do you think? Well, it's a, it's a divide, a house divided against itself. The defense, mm-hmm. the U S defense department is. And um, that that house divided, part of it says, let's do this. And part of it says, don't do it. Uh-huh. And this the result is that you get in the New York Times, you get the Tic Tac story and other right. stories. But then you also get a story that I point out in them recently, where they basically say it's mostly just space junk and right. balloons and so forth. And uh, what is so amazing about that story is, they ran it with no attribution. It's just Pentagon officials. Yeah. But if you look at the Tic Tac story, it's all very carefully attributed. Mm-hmm. And so did the reporter simply make it up or did someone from some place in the government call and say, run this? Mm-hmm. Then there was a story in the Wall Street Journal. It was an opinion piece that, you know, generally editors will check. They will check for accuracy <laughs> of opinion. Right. Piece. But because it's this subject, it doesn't matter. And so this guy says, I was a U-2 pilot for, I've been a pilot for 40 years and I've never seen a UFO and no pilot has ever seen a UFO. They don't <laughs> exist. They're blowing, they're, they come from these, these weirdos blowing grass. Uh-huh. And then, and you know, and he, he says, no pilot has ever seen a UFO. He says that in the Wall Street Journal. In the Wall uh-huh. Street Journal. In the Wall Street Journal. And do they yeah. publish any any response to it from anyone? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Jeez. But, but here's the thing. It's a total lie. For yeah. God's sakes, Kenneth Arnold was the first UFO right. sighting, <laughs> was a pilot flying his airplane while he saw the UFO. <laughs> right. I mean, you just can't get more stupid than that. Yeah. But the media is way behind on this. It has no past. The what media has them? no history. Right. Their history is yesterday and the day before, maybe. Mm-hmm. But like they they talk about the Tic Tacs and the gimbal UFOs as being a new phenomenon. There's nothing new about it. Uh, the Twining memo in 1947, ex- it describes the exact same flight characteristics that you see in the Tic Tac video. Yeah. Well, and yeah. it, it, that was in 1947. So no, it wasn't space junk. <laughs> no, they were not seeing things that we had made or the Russians had mm-hmm. made. Well, and I I wanted to ask I, I I wanted to ask Preston this last week, so Whitley for you. Uh, so rather than us, rather than our 
our leadership uh, not disclosing the information, why don't they just make an, and, and I'm not asking this as a skeptic, I'm just, <laughs> I, it's, a, it's an honest question, why don't they just, uh, and we were talking about uh, sightings over major U.S. airports mm-hmm. and stuff, why not, if they want to make their presence known, why not show up in Times Square or or over the Capitol in Washington mm-hmm. DC. Why yeah, right. Why well, not, well, well why but, not but show up in my living room so I can take get a video. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I would I would but, but right now with all the cell phones and stuff, Times Square would be awesome because it would be yeah. on TikTok and Instagram yeah. and everywhere. Yeah, considering well, all the cell phones, you'd think there'd be more uh better pictures. Yeah. But then they well, can yeah, be, it, they in can fact, be fake though. Most of the cell phone pictures are either fake or fuzzy. Yeah. And Fuzzy to me means another kind of fake. It's a fake done by somebody who doesn't have much CGI capability right. and, <laughs> and and has to make it fuzzy so you don't see the CGI evidence <laughs> of the CGI. And so it's, I, and, 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 and and it's just going to get worse as we go forward now with the generative AI. So yeah, so yeah, so yeah. now so now you can create whatever picture you want. So <laughs> I'm with you, John. I'm all for Times Square. <laughs> What, so, what what is happening is not about that, or it would have already happened. I think. What about physical evidence, uh, Whitley? Uh, why don't they offer that, or have they offered it, and is, has it been hidden from us? Well, to hear read Diana Pasolka's book, American Cosmic, you, she talks about the donation site in New Mexico where they pick up stuff all the time, uh-huh. and Dr. Robert Sarbacher back in 1986 told me in great detail about what the the materials that they had found at Roswell and what he had discovered about those materials. Hmm. And now, uh, where are uh, those materials? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Yeah. Now, um, uh, uh, the undersecretary of Des- defense or intelligence has um, Ron Moultrie has been saying lately that we have no materials at all. Oh boy. And he, he might not be lying because this stuff is so there's so much need, there's so much need to know compartmentalization uh-huh. that that well, that was an example. General Exxon Art Exxon, who was a friend of the family, my family, uh, was still going back to, to Wright Pat in the 80s to clue brief them on what had been discussed back in the 50s and 60s wow because there no there was a pencils up deal there was no there were no records huh. and then you know when art died he died he died with all of his secrets and hmm. so did my uncle mickey who didn't brief anybody on anything and i think my dad was involved too and his his lip was absolutely zipped uh, he was yeah. i mean dad is seemingly completely uninvolved in this and then the next thing you know guy hicks moves in around the corner he's the the uh commanding officer in the mantell incident and knows the truth about what happened to captain mantell when his Mm. when his uh p-52 crashed after while he was giving a chase to a ufo and dad i go over to the their house and i meet them and play with the kids and dad asks me how I did I have fun what we talk about and stuff 
And obviously he was watching over the man. I didn't know that at the time, but I do. It seems obvious now. Wow. So, you know, all of this stuff, uh, there's, there's a long history of, of, of knowledge and lost knowledge, a lot of lost knowledge. And I don't think it's ever going to be found. That's why I point out in them, there's going to be major holes in the history of the United States' relationship to this subject. But there's one thing nobody ever thinks about, but it's really important. And that is, why is it that the United States has so much more contact with this than anyone else does? Uh The people and, it, and the the people do, the co- the government does, the companies do. The United States has been singled out by this. <clears throat> and that, I think, is very important to understand. To a lesser extent, Australia, Canada, and Britain, and then, mm-hmm. and then France and Italy. Those what, about are the countries. what about Russia? Well, uh, uh, the problem is... We don't really know very much about Russia because they're so secretive. The same is true of China. But I do think that they have taken an intense interest in this. Both countries have Mm -hmm. because they see the same thing the other, the Western countries do, Mm -hmm. that there is a potential bonanza in terms of scientific knowledge and and technology here of some kind. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. What about the legends of, uh, if you can call them legends of Area 51, about uh, crashed uh, uh, <clears throat> saucers that they they have uh, that have been uh, they've been attempting to uh, back back technology. What is it called? Uh, reverse technology. Yeah. Okay. I have only this to say about that. I'm not going to go into any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I only say this, and I've said this to people who can make decisions about this. Mm-hmm. Any intact UFO we possess belongs in the Smithsonian Institution. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it is exactly. there. It belongs to every single American and every human being. It is not theirs. It is not their possession. It should not be hidden away. And if there is such a thing as sin, hiding things like this away is sin. And, and Rob, that And they didn't like- want to hear that either. Well, and Rob, that sounds like somebody you wrote about. It belongs in a museum, <laughs> so, right, Andy? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Who? Indiana Jones. Oh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Andy. Right. <laughs> well, remember the Ark of the Covenant, Indy. Indiana, yeah. Indiana Jones. You know, you pull out, and it turns out to be a big warehouse, some <laughs> some secret warehouse, and it's just lost in there with all right. these other things. The past, the most important things about the past have been lost in the maze of secrecy. In fact, that is what has happened. And that's why Ron Moultrie can say with absolutely, and say truthfully, we don't have any materials because we may have had them once, but I don't think we have them now. And I don't think he has any record of anything. Yeah, the uh-huh. paper paper records uh, have probably vanished or been destroyed. If there were, if well, right. look at this. Uh, well, yeah, of course they have. I remember S- Congressman Schiff uh, from uh, uh, from New Mexico years ago calls me up and says, uh, "I want to get to the bottom of the Roswell incident." He'd read my book Majestic, and I said, "Well, you're going to get the bottom of the Roswell incident only one way. You've got to find out 
you've got to get the records from the Roswell Army Air Base. Mm-hmm. That's that's where that that's where you will find this. And so he spent a year or so fooling around with the Defense Department, getting the runaround, and finally got the General Accounting Office, as it was then called, to look into the matter. And they said they finally came up and said all of the records from that air, air that air base from 1947 to 1952 have been destroyed. There isn't even a, se- a requisition of paper clap, <laughs> clip yeah. left. Mm. Illegally wow. destroyed. And that was because those records were exactly where that information uh-huh. was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Well, now, wasn't it Harry uh, Reid who started the new interest? Yeah, yeah. he right. did. Yeah. He did. He was uh, Nevada, and he was right. friendly with uh, Bob Bigelow, and you know, the, Robert Bigelow and his wife had an, a close encounter of the third kind. Right, they were face to face with this, and you know, it wasn't pleasant, mm-hmm. and um, it was hard. It's like Jim Semivan and his wife had the same experience. It was very hard. It's, it's a hard experience. It's not you know fairy godmothers with right. moms. It's it's. Uh, it's a lot stranger. <laughs> it's it's a lot stranger. That'd be putting it mildly. So, but you know, we have a we have a we're in a situation where, as the planet's uh, ecosystem becomes more and more distorted, and more and less and less able to accommodate human life, we got a big problem, and that problem is going to become acute in the next few years. We're going to start searching the skies and people are going to see these UFOs flying around and say, why don't you come help us? We're dying here. And those are going to be very hard days. And some of us, hopefully not me, if you guys get to live that long, that's your problem, not mine. But uh, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) I I have to tell you, my heart goes out to the young, to the children, to the kids. My heart goes out to them because this is going to be real hard. Real hard. How about your own son, Whitley? Is uh, he have an interest in this? All of this? No, no, no he does isn't. not. He does not have an interest in it. He does not want to be involved. Wow. He, what happened to him? It is a child I remember very well, mm-hmm. and so did his mother. But mm-hmm. he doesn't. He says he has no memory of any of it, and he does not want anything to do with huh. it at all. Yeah. Interesting. And um, so we respect that. You yeah. know, we never talked about it when he was a child. He tell he would tell us what had happened to him, but yeah. he never had a situation where he was sitting down and listening to UFO stories that, right. because that didn't happen. Hmm. Um, and uh, but he would tell us many stories. Hmm. Uh, he did not uh, because they were very involved with him, but he doesn't uh, wish to be involved now, and that's his res- privilege. Huh. And they have not bothered him. Oh. That's good. Well, and maybe. Yeah, I know. I mean, I say that's good. I mean, if that's what he wants, it's, I mean, it's good. been hard for me, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's absolutely fascinating. My curiosity always always trumps fear mm-hmm. and anger. I'm much more curious than I am scared or pissed right. off. Yeah. So uh, before we started recording, we were talking a bit about the issues that you've had with uh, intruders that have... Yeah. Uh, uh, would you like to talk a bit about that before? Yeah, we sure. Finish? Well, I'll tell you what's in the book is about intruders. Is that uh, this place was uh, was entered 
while I was out uh, exercising one morning and I came home and uh, all the drawers had been opened and uh, obviously there had been someone in the apartment. And I was horrified because, because the reason I was so horrified was that when it happened was not, not just chance. The day before something had happened to the router and I kept getting warnings that someone, that a new computer was getting ah. on the system. And so I turned the router off and isolated my entire system from the internet, including therefore the cameras, and which this house is full of cameras. And uh, uh, that morning and that morning only, I didn't have the internet in the house. I was gonna get, I had a new router coming later in the day or mm -hmm. maybe the next day. And they knew this. They had been the ones who, who com convinced me by attempting an intrusion mm -hmm. into my system that I should just cut it off and get a new router. They did mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I realized that right away. But I, you know, what could I do? I called the police and the, a, a cop eventually came over, but, uh, he said, you know, there's no point of entry. There's no evidence of any kind. We have nothing that I would, he said, if I were you, you've gotten, you, you have no loss. Don't even bother to, right. to file a report because it'll just be thrown away because there's nothing we can do about it. And it'll take you a lot of time to do. And so I didn't file a report. I mean, he didn't add that it would take them a lot of time to hassle with it too. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I didn't. And um then that weekend, that was a Thursday, then the weekend comes, and I'm sitting in a park, beautiful morning, quiet, and I've got my phone with me, and I suddenly have this feeling, Whitley, you need to go on the on the site right away and go into the back end. And I go, what the hell am I thinking about that for? I mean, my, the site's, at, for one day at least, it's far from my mind. <laughs> but I did it, and as I watched... I watched someone trying to brute force their way into the site using huh. an, one of the admin passwords. And they obviously didn't have the, the um, admin usernames. They obviously did not have the password. Hmm. So I call the webmaster and we spend the next half hour blocking uh, IP addresses that this individual or whatever they were was using. And they go from one IP address to another. And we ran, out, ran around all the country. Uh, all the all the world, in fact, trying to get these uh, IP addresses uh, uh, blocked. Blocked, and we finally they stopped. And then we we working from the back end. He gave me a new uh, username and password, and we closed off all the other other ones. Oh, the I second see. I tried to get into that website, they had my new username and password, and they were wrecking the website in the wow. The mm -hmm. second I tried to get in, and that meant they had a keylogger on my laptop, and that had been what the intrusion was really about. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, uh, you know, we 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 got that controlled. We had the website was slightly damaged, not too terribly, and I found that got a guy here. I paid, paid seven hundred dollars to get the keylogger taken off. And it was taken off, found and taken off. But it took him a long time because it was very sophisticated. Hmm. And uh, then I decided there'd been all these explosions around the house and stuff going on. 
I decided I'm not staying here anymore. I'm, I, I went to England and went to stay with some friends there and they took me in and uh, I finished my book sitting at their kitchen table with hmm. the dogs capering around and the kids running around playing rock and roll music and everything. And, <laughs> At least that's normal. And, and there I was in the corner <laughs> typing away. I typed 35,000 words at their house. Wow. They are very good people and they really welcomed me. Yeah. Were these humans? What do you mean? The no, ones I mean, in England? The people, no, I think so. No, no, no. I know they <laughs> oh, were. I, I, meant uh, the, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't I have no idea what they were. They're, they're, they eventually, when I, when I increased the... Um, the uh uh the uh security here including a doorbell camera i got a picture of one of them on the doorbell camera he was looked perfectly human to me huh. oh, i could have been no. anybody it, it, it wasn't anybody <laughs> it was either someone with an official locomotion of some uh -huh. kind or someone with some kind of other locomotion um mm. we've come to the end of our time i believe yeah um, and well and i i totally went I think I totally went where Rob did. Was what? what, what did you go and stay with angels in England? That, that's what I was. Thinking, yeah. No, I didn't mean were, were they not human? I figured they were. You were talking about the intruders. Yeah, the know. intruders. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, they might have been military. What about that option, Whitley? Um, I have no idea who it was. Yeah. Okay. I, I my tendency is to just to say i have no idea yeah yeah okay. and, and 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 so yeah uh, uh whitley uh the new book and everything can uh just let everybody know yeah. where you can uh where they can get uh follow you sure, and, they can get it get on my get, website unknowncountry.com or if they want to go to amazon they can get it there it's called them by whitley streber yeah. okay awesome and it's terrific yeah it's terrific yep. Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.